What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for getting ahead as a student, but a terrible resource for learning how to save the napkin industry, because let me tell you, we're over here destroying it with intent. That's true. Murderous intent. Somebody's got to do it. That napkin industry? You're using way too many napkins. Mm -hmm. Way too many napkins. Babkins. (laughs) I love it. Anyway, my name is Thomas Frank. I'm here. As always, with my good friend Martin Baby, and uh, today we're talking about video games. We again. are talking about video games again. But it's not just about video games. This time it's really about video game design, though. Yeah, we're talking about game design. So I think both of us came to this conclusion separately at different times, but both of us are well aware of the fact that video games have a way of drawing you in and motivating you to do things that might not be that fun in real life or even that fun in a video game like how fun is it actually to grind an rpg or to try to catch a thousand bell sprouts in a pokemon game yeah for some reason it's not actually that fun but there are mechanisms there that motivate you to do it and make you kind of want to do it so clearly there's a lot of thought that goes into video game design about how to motivate players to do certain things and we kind of want to talk about some of those game design decisions, some of the different loops that exist in video games, and what we can learn from them and possibly apply to our own lives to get, you know, like real work done. Yeah. Yeah, because you had mentioned something in one of the previous episodes, and I could never figure out which one it was. I have no idea. But then well, I was just like, I really want to think about this. And yeah. I, I went out and I actually, I got out a notebook. I turned on my Switch. I just started playing like five minutes of every game I had. And I was mm-hmm. like, why do I like this game? What parts about it seem really dumb if I take it out of context? Mm-hmm. And yet I still do it. Why did I fight a turtle for three and a half hours in Final Fantasy? I still don't know why you did that. Because I had to. All I remember is watching a dude on YouTube fighting that same optional <clears throat> boss. And it's not an option. About an hour and a half into the fight, the turtle knocks him and his entire party like halfway across the map, which somehow resets the battle. Well, that's because <laughs> he did really a bad. bad job. I was very careful the whole time. That's true. Hit him a little bit, hide behind a rock. Yes, repeat. that's basically what I did Add because I didn't want to start over. Yeah. But yeah, when I so won, though, I felt real good. What does motivate you to fight a turtle for three hours or what motivates you to and this one still evades me um try to get through the first world of celeste without using the dash function which because is, i'm a winner tom you literally have to know the exact pixel to hit and hit it perfectly yeah but i did it <sighs> so yeah i'm a winner and that's why. honestly like the beginning of my youtube channel was kind of based around this idea and this goes back further than the youtube channel there was a time where, and I think this was maybe two years into running College Info Geek, I was still in school. I briefly considered abandoning College Info Geek and starting a new website. Um, I don't like the name that I came up with it, but I was going to call it 8-Bit Hustle, and it was going to be all about productivity lessons from video games. I'm glad I never did it because I don't know if I could actually pull like 10 years of content out of that idea, but I think I can pull a podcast episode's worth of content out of it. Yeah. So... This is, a, I guess, a tribute to a path that I never went down. But I've been thinking about this for a long time because you and I both, we used uh, Habitica for a long time. Yep. Which is possibly the most 
bald-faced real-world attempts to use video game design to motivate people to do things. And in case anybody hasn't heard of Habitica, it's uh, it's a web app, it's an iPhone app, Android app, everything app that uh, functions as a habit tracker, but has a lot more to it than your typical habit tracker. And uh, as of this recording, we might actually have a habit tracker video out on the YouTube channel now, so I think we should if I have the schedule right in my head. Very potentially. You know, most habit trackers, you just get a list of habits, you check them off, it'll tell you how many days in a row you've done it, that's it. Habitica gives you a character. And by doing your habits, you gain experience and gold, which you can use to level your character up, buy gear for your character, go on quests. Uh, One of my favorite parts about Habitica and the reason I think it kind of transcends other habit tracking apps is the fact that when you go on quests, you can do so in a party of other players. And if you fail to do your own habits, you actually will hurt them. Yeah. And I remember you texting me like, did you get all your habits done last night? Because I woke up with damage. Yeah, once again, because I'm a winner. Excuse me. But yeah, it's it's motivating you because you don't want to fail your team. Yeah. And also because I'm looking here now, my character has a pumpkin for a face, a purple cape thing, and a spider for a pet. It's a pretty, pretty you know, it's a pretty cool thing. Well, now I'm curious. I wonder what my character looks like. I think I have a costume on my character because you can, you can give it armor and whatever for stats, but then you can also choose different armor and stuff yeah. as a yeah. costume. Uh, I have a top hat with a feather in it, a pair of steampunk goggles, a brown suit with some cyber futuristic fairy wings, and a gigantic silver sword. For some reason, thinking about Habitica and drinking this, whichever it is, is was incredibly nostalgic for a second, and I was like, what, what That's am I That's because back in college, we drank a lot of tea and played a lot of Habitica. Yeah, I loved Habitica. I haven't been using it recently, but like, I loved it all the time I use it. Yeah, so and I might go back to it. I don't know. I'm, this this Habit Tracker go video has got me interested in trying some new ones or maybe going back and, I don't know, maybe I should reset. Uh, I do have to gloat that I have some weapons that you <clears throat> don't have in the game. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so you're a cheater I'm not really a cheater there's just special weapons you can get by contributing to the growth of Habitica as a company oh yeah well I'm going to donate $10,000 I mean if you donate $10,000 they'll, pro- they, they'll give it to me right probably can I will, have the item <laughs> I think they will give you those items they'll give you whatever items you want okay well that's a terrible idea so I'm not going to do it depending yeah I don't know how many contributor levels they'd give for, to you for this for this reason that's a it's a dumb reason yeah, maybe maybe Habitica would be a good place to start because I know you have a lot of notes, right? I so I went through. I had a, a crazed notebook entry with all a bunch of my favorite games, a bunch of other games, a bunch of games you play, mm-hmm. with then all like lines and arrows and like, okay, what are the main themes? What are the mechanisms that go across these things that bring things like Super Mario Odyssey and Pokemon together, for example? Mm-hmm. And I've got it in the same section as. Uh, DDR actually just really? overall mechanisms okay. that make us feel good about either repetitive things where you don't get the progress immediately you know because that's really where a lot of us end up stuck it's because it's hard to get good at something or it's yeah. hard to get a project done because you feel like you're not getting anywhere or it's too yeah. big of a challenge so I, I remember feeling like that uh, when I started playing guitar and then again when I started messing around with piano back in the day yeah it's just like i'm so bad at this that any sound i make it just sounds really awful yeah and it's unmotivating to go on because all i can play is hot cross buns on one string and it just is not inspiring 
So, and I think a lot, a lot of disciplines have. Well, yeah, Hot Cross Bones is pretty it's good. It's a dope it's pretty track. Fire track. It's on my SoundCloud. I've been ending man's whole career with it. Yeah, <laughs> for years. Something like that. <laughs> okay, so we'll go through your outline then, and uh, I'll, I'll chime in with ideas that I have, and oh yeah, maybe we can yeah. come so, back to Habitica because I'm sure that you know they've they've probably thought about well, a lot of these. things. I do mention Habitica in part of this. Oh, okay, but cool. yeah, I bet I bet a lot of it really applies because Habitica is just very blatantly accepting the connection between video game design and motivation so yeah and if there's anyone out there who's thought about gamification principles it's the team that builds this app yeah so anyway after all of my hard hard research of playing video games with a notebook in front of me and calling it work (laughs) uh the first thing that i found the large pattern that connects pokemon and super mario odyssey with ddr weirdly enough is visible progress so so in Super Mario Odyssey, for example, you've got all these coins and things that are sometimes hard to find. It's obnoxious. You walk, I've walked around for like an hour, n- unable to find a new one. But the you reason the it's... The coins or the stars? The, are they stars? Really there? both. They're little triangle coin things. Oh, that's right. Too. Yeah, I forgot about that. Well, I don't know if they're a triangle in every level. I don't remember. But basically, these things that you're collecting are motivating because you know when you've collected them. It keeps track. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have a number telling me that I had gotten 60 out of 68, I would not bother looking around and hoping, I wonder if there's maybe another one over here. Yeah. That eventually I would just get bored. I'd be like, well, I don't know. Maybe there are countless ones. I I don't care. I want to be a completionist. So it's giving you visible progress to an otherwise absurd task because I'm like, do I want to get 200 things? Sure. But if I don't know how many I have left, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And DDR is in this section because it's giving you visible progress for your skill level that you can measure. You can see yourself oh, getting like, better. Yeah, I'm doing a level seven. You can song say I did this this many points higher than last time. Whereas yeah. if it was just sort of content, if they didn't give you a score or a grade, I think it would be a lot less motivating because you wouldn't really know if you were improving in a concrete fashion. You'd feel yeah. it. But you couldn't point to it and say, I'm getting really good. I just did that song. I just did that song. I failed it four times before, and I got this grade. I can confirm this. When I was in high school, I had DDR for my PS2, and I would go down in my basement for hours trying to get double A's on songs. I, I learned very quickly that the home pads are not quite good enough, or maybe I'm not quite good enough to ever get a triple A, which is literally every note in the song is perfect. Wow. But a double A is... At least back in the PS2 games, it was like you could get five to ten greats, which is like the next accuracy level down, and then you get a double A. So I would just play the song over and over and over again. And when I finally get the double A, take a picture of it with my phone, and there was like this DDR uh, competition ranking site where you could upload pictures of proof of your double A's and triple A's, and oh, nice. there was like ranking levels for the best people who had done the the songs and things like that. So yeah, can confirm the. Yeah, imagine if you got the no score, progress. the song, ne- it just kind of moved on seamlessly to a new song. There wasn't yeah. really a proper ending that told you you did this. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that you would feel the same desire to do it. And collecting yeah. all the Pokemon would be weird if you didn't know how many there were to collect and how far you were mm-hmm. along your path. So basically, 
um, to, to make this work for real life, tracking your progress in an easily measurable way is important. You could track 20 minute time blocks. You could track a simple daily habit. You could track your weight or personal records. Like we used to use photocracy. Oh, yep. Or at least oh, I don't know gosh. if you still use it. I don't I use it now, but photocracy for like, also... for like personal records, lifting yeah. weights and doing pull-ups and stuff. Like, you know, you're getting better than last week. Fitocracy motivated me so much that I almost died. Yeah. That's motivation <laughs> right there. It'll kill you. There's a blog post about this on CIG if we haven't deleted it. Think and, it's still there <laughs> yeah and then like habitica clearly fits in here along with basically every habit tracker because yeah. you know i did this because if if you don't keep track it's easy to forget how much you've done mm-hmm. or to there's no real end point in sight you can't see the finish line so it becomes hard to keep running after a while yeah yeah um i was watching a video by this guy named paul davids <clears throat> he's got this great guitar youtube channel and this video is from a couple of years ago, but he basically, I don't know if he wrote this or found it, but he has this really complicated arpeggio. Um, it's probably 16 bars. So it would take like 30 seconds to a minute to play. And he gave himself the challenge to practice one hour a day um, for seven days. And the eventual goal was to be able to play the arpeggio at 120 beats per minute. Hmm. So what he did is when he practiced, he recorded himself practicing and he started off at a lower BPM with a, with a metronome, I think like maybe 80. So that way, every single day, he come back, okay, playing it at 80 feels easy now. And I can compare it to my recording from yesterday. Well, let's bump up to 85, bump up to 90. And within seven days, he was able to play it. Oh, that's cool. Which is pretty sweet. Yeah, where if you just sit down and you didn't have those, the, the trackable steps, mm-hmm. it might just be, I'm going to kind of aimlessly repeat this yeah. for a while. And then maybe get better. Yeah. And, oh, man, metronome for music, it helps so much. The piano that we both own uh, has a built-in metronome tool. So when I bought it, I would just turn the metronome on and come up with either a chord progression or a melody and then play it at 80 and then, again, move up and up and up and up until I could play it at, like, 120 or, in some cases, 150. Hmm. It's just It's a good way to get good instruments. Yeah. I don't know if you have this. Um, maybe this is a different point on your outline but maybe it's not in any specific order well not that but um this whole visual indication of progress idea i think is a smaller subsection of the idea of feedback loops so basically and this is like integral to good learning and a lot of people know this about teaching and developing curriculums and everything getting feedback about your performance is crucial for improving and also crucial for staying motivated yeah. So I think this is a big reason why my skill level and also my motivation to keep practicing for figure skating went way up when I got a coach because she was filming me. She was showing me what I was doing wrong. She would lay out like specific challenges like, all right, here's a pattern I want you to trace on the ice or I want you to like stick to the circle on the rink doing this specific move. And with her there watching me, I had feedback. Yeah, you know how to get better and mm-hmm. what direction to go in. Yeah, and video games like this is... Basically, like every video game has this at its core. There's a feedback loop of some sort, whether it's a fighting game, learning that like, oh, if I do this, they block it and they counter me. Feedback. Yeah. You know, or an RPG like, okay, my Pikachu was too low level to fight this gym leader. I better go grind. Yeah. You know, you get an indication of what you need to do to progress. All right, what do we have next? Well, the next one is accomplishment and growth through small wins. So, um, in Zelda. Or in Celeste, like in Zelda, you have a whole bunch of items. You have like 18 items in some mm-hmm. of these games, probably. 
you have to learn to master all of them. Seems overwhelming at first. In Celeste, if you go look at the seasides on on YouTube, oh, they will look impossible. But yep. the game guided me in the right direction to one by one master each jump that made it there. Mm-hmm. And each time I felt successful when I hit something. Whereas if I had started with the initial goal of hitting the last thing and just went to the last level, I would have. There's no way I would have gone through that. Yeah. That would have been insane. And then games like actually Minute, which is a really interesting game that uh, I was introduced to by an article our friend wrote mm-hmm. on his uh, blog about which friend um, Aaron. Oh, okay. So this this post actually made me buy this game mm-hmm. because I was so interested, and we can link to the post uh, later. But Minute is a game where you get to you're alive for 60 seconds, and there are a whole bunch of puzzles in the world. And you respawn after 60 seconds. Okay. You more or less have to start over. So you're forced to deal with only small wins because small wins are literally the only thing you can have in there. You need to yeah. plan out what's the next small win. How so am I like going to accomplish constraint. the game through this? Yeah. Like there's all these things you can do, but on this life, I literally have 60 seconds. So yeah, I you have to do – you have to pick one thing. And yeah. then in Baba Is You, which I can't seem to stop playing. I really want to play that game. It is – Incredible. Is that on the Switch? Yeah. It, okay. It's amazing. I'm probably going to get that uh, tonight. Each puzzle feels like it should be, by the time you get to it, within your grasp somehow. Mm-hmm. But if it was one giant world-sized puzzle, I would not be able to even grasp how to begin. Yeah. So basically, all of these incredibly difficult things, in video games, it's intuitive. They start you off doing piece by piece by piece by piece by piece. But when we try to set up goals for ourselves we're not often that forgiving it's really easy to just say i'm going to be super amazingly strong in a month Mm -hmm. and not really specify the small steps that make us feel good about ourselves in the meantime because if we take too long we're going to start feeling bad about the fact that we're taking too long i think this is a this is a reason why taking classes or getting coaches can be very useful because coaches understand progression and a lot of times, like in very established disciplines, a coach knows a specific progression that is guaranteed, not, maybe not guaranteed to work, but proven. Like it works work. over and over. Yeah. Like I've got a whole figure skating training book and there are literal schedules of things you're supposed to do. And they use these for competitive athletes that go to championships and things like that. Yeah. So you, you got to break it down into skills, into pieces. Um, an example I had here was with video game design, if you wanted to make a game where a character walks across a screen and jump, and I've been kind of messing around with video game design, which is doubly, I'm just really interested in the topic right now. Yeah. But there are several smaller pieces you need to solve separately. Display a character on the screen, accept controller input, move the character, physics or gravity for jumping, and how to animate the character while it's moving or jumping. These these are all separate things. Mm-hmm. And if I've never done this before, sitting down to make a jumping character is just confusing and I don't know where to start. Yeah. But you can go find a tutorial on how to move a character or how to make it show yeah. up. Yeah, and you feel like good that. each time you do one of the small things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, the the video game that comes to mind for me right now as a master class in introducing elements gradually and then making you use them all is uh, Guacamelee and Guacamelee 2. Yeah. Because there's a lot in that game. It's a Metroidvania. It's got crazy platforming challenges, but it's also got a lot of combat stuff. And, oh boy, there are, I think, four different special moves and then four different types of grapples, regular combat, double jumping, 
dashing in the air, uh, turning into a chicken, in which you have <laughs> uh, three other abilities what there. What a good game. And I haven't beaten the game yet, but sometimes it'll throw you into a fight where there's like one enemy on the screen who has a shield and you have to break it by doing a certain move before you can fight them. And then another enemy, you got to break that by doing a different move. And there's moving platforms at the same time and lava. And yeah, if you get thrown into that, which actually I did throw a friend into that because they wanted to play co-op with me and they hadn't done all the previous stuff, they had no idea what to do. It it all sounds overwhelming when mm-hmm. you look at it from that like angle without having yeah. gone piece by piece. But the game gradually gets you there. When you get the double jump, there's like a special chamber you can't get out of until you master the double jump because you got to use it. Yeah. And literally every ability in the game has this gradual, like it'll make you use the floating chicken move really easily at first. And then then there's a slightly harder one, a slightly harder one until like, I don't know, three chambers later, you have that move down pat. Yeah. Now it's like, all right, cool. We're going to make you do the floating chicken move and then turn into a human and grab onto this grappling hook. Eventually you but don't even think about it. it. Yeah, it becomes second nature. Yeah. And so this is a, a good point to bring up because I know like as a musician, I've had times where I've listened to a song and I'm like, all right, I can break this song down in my head. I should be able to sit there and learn to play the song, which it never works because the song has so many different overlapping techniques that the artist has mastered, but you haven't mastered any of them. So your conscious mind is trying to exert this conscious control on each element at the same time. And that doesn't work. Yeah. Your conscious mind is like, you know, it's like the, what are they called? Like the data lines between RAM and the CPU and a computer. Like it can only throughput certain amount of information at a time. So you got to have a bunch of other stuff basically just running in the background. Yeah. All right. What's next? Uh, the next one to keep you motivated is novelty. So the same things in Zelda and Celeste, for example, that keep you that keep you from feeling overwhelmed. They're also there to keep you interested because you're basically doing the same exact thing over and over and over and over again, but with True. slight changes. They're like, well, in this level, it's windy. Mm-hmm. In this level, uh, there's a guy in a hotel. Why not? This is you know, in each Mario level, it's like it looks different. Now it's nighttime. Yeah. Now it's a water level. Imagine the first Mario game as long as the first Mario game, but only with the world ever looking like the first one. It would be a lot more boring. Yeah. And it would be less motivating to get through to the end mm-hmm. because you need a little novelty, even if you're doing basically the same thing. And I think this is really interesting because a lot of things we have to do in real life are monotonous. Yep. So this is why I have my semi-monthly habit goal system because even though I do a lot of the same things, I like to just tweak them a little bit Mm -hmm. to keep me interested, to make it feel fresh. Every few weeks, I feel like things are just refreshed and I get to start over. A lot of it stays similar because I'm still exercising basically every time and it's more or less the same exercises, but maybe this time I've just changed it a little bit and changed my surrounding or what time of the day I do something. And yeah, basically you got to figure out how to keep your life interesting because monotony is uh, not fun. And it no. seems borderline inevitable in, a, in adult life if you don't intentionally do something about it. Yeah. Yeah, the problem is, like, there's no game designer who's just giving you challenges. There is one in school. Yeah, but yeah, they're ends, telling you what to do. They're deal. basically just like, all right, well, you're the game designer of your own life now. And, like, you can put in a low amount of effort and go get a job where they will just happily let you do the same thing all the time. But if you don't want that, you got to put in a bit more yeah. effort. You have the definite freedom to literally do the same exact thing every day. Yeah. And 
you will grow bored of that. But you're the only person who can fix it. So, see, I like I like these because a lot of these are, you know, they're things that we we've either talked about before in some other context or we've heard them before. But a lot of it feels different. Yeah. When presented through the right al- analogy mm-hmm. to me, because it's like, oh wait, it's obvious that they do this. That's why I fight a turtle for three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. How can I fight a real life turtle for three? Well, not a real life and a <laughs> metaphorical turtle. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I could go. First get of all, a turtle from I'm not store. gonna fight a turtle in real life. Second of all, I would hope that if I did, it didn't take three and a half hours. I think the only turtle worth the turtle should the beat me faster than does that. Does take three hours? It's a really strong turtle. <laughs> Fighting like the world's biggest tortoise. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that keeps coming to mind here for novelty, also for visual indications of progression, is my climbing gym. Because, you know, going to the gym and lifting weights, you can get indications of progress, but they're pretty narrow in scope. You know, I lifted more weight this time. I write that down in my notebook. That can be motivating. But the climbing gym... Not only are there, you know, dozens of different routes in the gym and they're labeled with difficulty. So today I was able to do a 5.11 minus route, which I have done a 5.11 in the past, but the only time I did it, I had to take a lot of breaks and sit there and like have the rope support me. Today I did the 5.11 minus with no breaks, no rope support, just like up it. So in my mind, it was like a great indication of actual progress. But also... Every few weeks, they take an entire wall's worth of routes down and redo it. Just so, entirely. Yeah. So I That's could go cool. to that gym for years, and I'm never going to get bored because they're always making new routes that make you do different things. Like Right now, they put up this fun route in the bouldering section where you have to like weirdly balance yourself on one foot on this weird ledge thing and then wrap your leg around the corner to do the next move. <laughs> You know, next week there's going to be something else there that has a totally different kind of move. Maybe it's like a totally like crimp based move, and I have to train finger strength for that one. And yeah, it's a really interesting setting where it basically is just real life game design. It is, yeah, that's cool. And they also sometimes have challenges because, yeah, like you said, it's different than lifting weights, where it's like I can change the number, mm-hmm. but the technique is still. Yeah, you know, hopefully, if I have good technique, I'll just keep doing good technique. Yeah, and I mean you can. Like, this might be a common criticism of our point here because you can easily design a different weightlifting program. Like, all right, today I'm going to do high rep or today, you know, I've been doing a lot of barbell squats. Let's do pistol squats. That's one leg. That's adding variety into it. And that's true. But I think something that games do really well is that they present you with novelty. You don't have to seek it out too hard. Yeah. And that's something that's really nice about the climbing gym. All I got to do is show up and there's probably going to be something new to try. Yeah, that's like really the cool that they do that. The harder you have to work to create your own novelty, like the more you're not going to want to do it. So if you can find something that offers novelty quite often, like climbing uh, or like skateboarding, something like that, then yeah. you'll have more fun. You know? Uh, yeah, so what's our next one? Uh, the next one is story and or vicarious living. So mm. this is part of why I fight a turtle for three and a half hours. <laughs> Uh, basically, because you're acting out a story in these games, your actions are given meaning beyond the surface level. You're not just fighting a bunch of small boars or grinding for three hours for no reason. You're doing it because you're the hero and you're supposed to do this. And as the hero, I was supposed to get every single achievement in a Final Fantasy XV. That is what the people of that country needed you to do. And uh, they wanted me to not save them while I messed around doing optional stuff. 
because I'm a complete <laughs> hero. I'm, yep. you know, I'm not an essentialist hero. I don't just do the important things. I do everything. And so I think that this is really interesting because we're living vicariously through these characters. And in real life, we don't always take the time to establish why exactly we're doing what we're doing. The motivation isn't necessarily as, as high as I'm literally saving the world. Yeah. You know, or I'm saving the princess for 17 billionth time from Bowser, who really needs to get a better hobby. And in real life, you need to know who do you want to be or what kind of person does the things you want to do because you're not given that role automatically. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you have to have to have a reason. And again, this is the, I guess, sad thing about real life is there's not some cool mission being given to you. Yeah. You just kind of have to decide for yourself. And usually it's not as interesting as saving an entire kingdom. There aren't as many options out there for nope. that kind of a thing, but we're a product of the stories we tell ourselves about mm-hmm. ourselves. So we need to have compelling stories or else we're, you know, uh, I'm not the kind of person who binge eats Oreos is not compelling because it's a negative story I'm telling myself. But mm-hmm. if I'm a healthy person, that's a, that's a story that means something more yeah. than just not allowing me to do something. Well, maybe the story can come out in a larger overall goal because we talked about small wins and every game gives you small wins, but most games also have like an overarching story or overarching, you know, big mission that you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And if you can just crystallize in your mind what a big mission for you might be, that might be your story. Yeah. What's the meaning behind the yeah. small thing? What do they add up to? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like why do you play music all the time? Maybe you just do it because it's fun, but I think there might be something more to it because you're like recording little melodies you create and you're writing songs and yeah, I don't know for me. Like I, I have a specific place that I would like to play someday and like, cool. I can't, that's not a small win because I'm not yet good enough for them to accept me as like an artist and bill me, but someday. Yeah. I, I mostly play piano at this point because I just want to, I want to completely surpass anything I could ever do before I injured my hand and then broke my finger, mm-hmm. just because. Yeah. So and maybe I'll maybe I'll write an album, but it's more of a self. it's more of a like a a phoenix type of story. Yeah. Or for language learning, like I know you want to travel to other countries and speak with native speakers at yeah. their level. That's like a big goal. There's not that's not a small win. No, that's you, not you a small win. That's a that's a overwhelming or something. But it is a cool story that you're sort of in the middle of. Yeah. So so the next thing is competition and or cooperation. Mm-hmm. They're seemingly opposite, but they're grouped together here because they're both a social obligation yeah. that keeps you going. So if you want to win at fighting games, you better keep playing them or you're going to fall behind the crowd and then you're <laughs> going to suck forever. bored of it. Yeah, and then you won't want to play with your friends anymore because <laughs> you're just bored and it's not fun anymore and you don't care, even though it's mostly because... If if you get at this point, even if we're just playing with friends and one person's winning too often, it stops becoming a game and then no one cares. So you have to keep up. Yeah. If you want to keep playing, you have to keep at their level. Otherwise, it's not a game anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also the thing that keeps me from wanting to play WoW because I do not want the pressure to keep up with everybody in order to keep being uh, useful to them. Yep. You know, because they're playing when I'm doing something else and I come back and they're like, hey, you suck now. You can't even help us beat this boss. 
I don't I don't want that. However, that is the obligation that made me love Monster Hunter because I was <laughs> playing <true>. with <laughs> with our friends back in Iowa, and then I would just like play it all night long, and like I'm gonna be able to help them fight this tomorrow because I'm gonna be like 17 levels above them. And that's how I'm going to help yeah. by being ultra powerful and able to tell them how this works. And it made me want to, but I don't want to feel beholden to a bunch of internet strangers. So WoW doesn't work the same as Monster Hunter for me. Mm-hmm. But for some people it does. Yeah. Or, you know, for like another example, Overwatch. I know people who have like groups of friends and they'll do a competitive yeah, season we, together. And you probably you know, know them. You got to practice being the tank because that's your role in the group. Yeah. You have a community purpose. Mm-hmm. This is also the Habitica parties. Yeah. Because if you don't do your task, your party loses health. You're betraying your party a little bit mm-hmm. by hurting them. And I actually think that's the most genius part of Habitica. Yeah. Like all the experience and mounts and gear you can buy, that's cool. But the quests with the the party system, oh, that is it's, genius. It's great. I'm not actually sure of another way that captures it so well because not only is it public accountability and that they're like, hey, we know you didn't do your thing. Yeah, and we're disappointed in you. You're also hurting them. <laughs> yeah, like they so literally. Like, and I don't know of any other systems that you. Know, I wouldn't recommend building a bee minder that steals your friends' monies when you <laughs> fail. <laughs> I was trying to pay my rent, but this guy that I'm in a party with didn't do push-ups yesterday, so that's why I couldn't. Pay yeah, my rent. like I, that would backfire horribly. <laughs> but in Habitica, it's a relatively safe way to use this kind of motivation. Yeah. So there's a new app, and uh, this is going to most likely be in. Um, I gotta decide if I want to click this button or not. I'm gonna hit don't allow. There's a new app called Habify. I haven't checked it out yet, but it may end up in my Habit Trackers video. And it is not super gamified like okay. Habitica, but it does have the collaborative feature. So you can really? get in a group with somebody, and then you can see their progress bar and your progress bar. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I need to look more into like, it to see exactly like how it works. Like next to each other? Uh, For I the same so. habit? Yeah. Let me, so you can compete? Let me pull up the the page in the app store because it wants me to go through a tutorial. That would be first. pretty cool if you were like, hey, hey, you're not going to overcome me. I'm going to do this tonight so that my line doesn't look worse than yours. Is yeah, that... here we go. So there's I don't know if it's a progress bar. Maybe it's like a 30-day challenge because I'm seeing percentages on here. Okay. So I need to look into it after we finish this That's cool that you can see how everybody's doing because... Oh, you can poke them too. Oh. Like I I see the the little poke icon next to the person who hasn't been doing it. I wonder if that sends them a reminder or like an email or a... Oh, that would be cool. That's that's really cool because often it's hard to... Accountability seems cool and it's a good idea to set it up, but it's often hard to actually make it real because... I don't know, for example, right now, if you're reading every night or something. Yeah. So if you set up a challenge for that, I'm com- it's completely on the honor system. I have no idea. Oh, you know what? Yeah, because even the Habitica thing, it doesn't like you can't you go could, in and see. You could just your friend's progress, right? You can delete you just, a habit out of there. You know that something happened. You don't know yeah. exactly what happened. That's true. I feel like didn't Coach.me's habit tracker also have some sort of collaborative feature? I never used that one. Okay. So I'm not sure. Well, you know what? Now that I thought about that, because I literally forgot to write coach.me down on my uh, list of potential habit trackers. So let me add that real quick. And while I'm doing that, why don't we move to the next one? All right. The next one here is self-expression or customization. So Animal Crossing mm. is almost entirely about this. And somehow it gets you to pay bills <laughs> and run errands. Be in debt. And uh, you literally pay <laughs> off your your home loan 
over and over. And it feels so cool every time. Yeah, I guess like the greatest indication that there's something to video game design elements is that there's these games out there where you just work. Yeah, Harvest Moon, you farm. Farm Simulator, same thing. Truck Simulator, like people love sitting down with like a steering wheel on their desk and pretending to be a trucker for like six hours. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's something to it. But uh, Pokemon is similar it's because you're building a team. You're building yeah. your team. What are your favorites? One of mine is Mr. Mime. And if you don't like him, it's because you don't understand that sometimes the weird, creepy things are awesome. It's true. Sometimes a jester clown thing <laughs> is the best. But it, you're you're expressing your individuality. And mm-hmm. even if it's just to yourself, that's still really important. I feel very much like myself. Yeah. If I have a day where I've spoken a foreign language to somebody, I've had some time for piano, I've gone for a walk, mm-hmm. I've, I've read a little bit, I feel like me. And it feels yeah. great to feel like I'm fully being myself in my real life. Mm-hmm. So we've got to find the stuff, like either creative hobbies or just finding a way to do the things that you love the most so that you remember who you are and who you yeah. want to be. I think self-expression is probably one of the biggest motivators for me personally. Uh, I was talking with some friends about this the other day. I know that you like to play other people's songs. Like you make your own stuff up, but you also really enjoy like learning the Over the Garden Wall intro or learning Zelda stuff. I do tend to learn at least the first fourth of them. Yeah, and then maybe you Uh, move on. However, I did finally finish an entire piece this morning. And on the other hand, I find it very, very difficult to summon the motivation to try learning someone else's song. Just like, I am so much more interested in playing my own stuff. And I'll go like, I'll analyze a song and find a technique in there and like go mess with it myself. Like, oh, Jimi Hendrix is using a lot of like string bending and stuff. Okay, let me go try that. But I don't play Jimi Hendrix riffs while doing it. I'll play my own riff and like add in string bends or add in the tremolo bar or something like that. And yeah, I think it's like, it's just this desire for self-expression. Yeah, that's exactly how I was when I was writing my album. So I was like, I don't care about it. That's why I sucked at music theory for so long too, Mm. was because I refused to learn reading really because I was like, I'm not reading my own music. So I don't care. Yeah, and this this isn't to say that it's useless to learn other people's songs. Like we had a whole big argument about this in one of my Slack groups. And uh, my friend Dave was just like, no, you need to learn other people's songs because that's how you add more tools to your musical toolbox. And I was wondering, I'm like, you know, are there artists out there who never learned other people's songs? Hmm. Uh, what got me thinking about this was I, I was reading an interview uh, with Tosh Sultana, and she mentioned that she never plays other people's songs. Now, I don't know if that means she has never played people's songs and purely learned all of her instrument skill just making stuff up, or did she learn by playing other people's songs and then kind of graduate to her own stuff? I don't know. I don't know. So sometimes I'll just take a little one little thing like from a thing. In fact, the the one main song that I've written this year entirely came from a technique I learned in another song. And I was like, well, what if I did it this way? And then it turned into a three minute song with a whole yeah. bunch of different parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, clearly, if you if you go and learn someone else's song, you do get uh, more tools for your musical toolbox. But yeah, it just got me thinking about that self-expression motivator. Yeah, for sure. And that's why Magic the Gathering is my favorite board game slash card game because yeah. it is... My deck had a story and I loved yeah. it. It's like the ultimate self-expressive game. You get to choose every single card in your deck. It is purely 
what you want in there. Yeah. What a good game. Mm -hmm. I even excluded really good cards because it was my story and it was going to be how I wanted, even if this card would make me win far more often. Yeah. I mean, winning isn't even that great in Magic. It's only good if I win. Yeah, I want to win in the way I want to win. Yeah. Like you could, oh, I do an infinite combo and I win. Ha, that's not fun. No, but if I get to, you know, construct my ridiculous machine where I'm invincible and then I draw it out for three turns, like that's yeah. that's great. Or in your case, if you win through peace. I do win through peace. <laughs> so, yeah, self-expression. All right, what's next? Uh, discovery and exploration okay. and, and or immersion or escapism. So like Breath of the Wild and Skyrim. Oh, man. And potentially trucker simulation uh, games possibly truck simulator um, as well breath I'm, of the I've wild i've not been into them absolutely the the top game for this in my it's head completely exploration i mm-hmm. i would pick it up i'd turn it on i would just pick a spot on the map any spot i was just like i haven't gone there then i just go there and i'd do everything on the way for literally no reason just mm-hmm. just to explore and, and sometimes you don't even go to where you're gonna go because you, you're like what is that over there and you i don't know yeah find just some hidden you just go wherever somewhere. you it's like completely in the moment exploration it's all it's tons of novelty in every direction Mm -hmm. and i think that this is one of the coolest things for me in a game because it's not about a specific goal and in real life i think this can be very useful for example you mentioned in something recently um so if you wanted to run a treadmill would be a terrible place to be if you liked exploration and discovery yep you could be running on a brand new trail or mapping out a new bike path and mm-hmm. finding something new, and that's really going to be motivating. Whereas if I have to run on a treadmill, I'm well, I'm not going to. I'm not even going to yeah. turn the treadmill. I will just never run again in my life. That's yep. what will happen. Yeah, it's boring. But I'll rollerblade 14 miles around, you know, in Iowa town, mm-hmm. which we did. Actually, so rollerblading is a different story because well, I literally rollerblading enjoy, is also extra fun. Like rollerblading is just super fun and as a figure skater, I can do fun things on rollerblades, like going backwards and things like that. So that's fun. Um, riding my bike. I don't find the act of simply sitting on the bike and pedaling the wheels to be inherently fun in the moment. Like you're just going straight. It's, it's more enjoyable than running, but it's, it's not rollerblading. It's not skateboarding in a skate park. So actually now that we're doing this episode, I'm thinking about this, the way that I motivate myself to cycle so many miles, it's like all game design. Discovery and exploration. I sit down, I bring up Google Maps, and I'll be like, you know where I haven't been? Here. And I can see green bicycle route lines. Let me construct like a rough route in my head and try to get there. Or like, could I bike to Boulder from Denver? Oh, I can. Let's try it. So it's like pure exploration and discovery. And then also I use Strava, which tracks not only how far you ride, but basically every possible stat <laughs> it tracks your speed, elevation, possibly a heart rate. If you get a heart rate monitor, I don't have that, but you could track that. And there's competition. I have like a little mount for my phone on my bike. So I'll put it right there. And sometimes I have the screen on. And if you have the screen on often, you'll get into a segment and it'll tell you like, Oh, your current time has you on track to be number three in this segment for today. And then I'll be like, oh, well, okay, I'm going to speed up and try oh, to nice. beat the top person. And then once you finish your ride, you can see for every single segment you did where you rank for like men and women today, this week, all time. There's so many stats. Strava is a video game. That, that does sound like you basically turned 
biking into a video game. Absolutely. Every form of motivation. We now, need mountain biking a little more self-expression. I need you to put a bunch of like cool stickers all over Some your stickers bike. Stickers on and... my bike. I could do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I could just like. That might be a, a big fun... a big flag that says "This is me." Okay, I just came up with a fun idea. Like, Denver has a zillion breweries, and usually they have stickers. <gasps> so I could do like bike brewery mission this summer to cover my bike and stickers. See, that's cool. Now you've got achievements too. You can track your progress with the collectibles that are also a form of self-expression and exp. Yeah, that's the perfect video game bike trip. And I could also make sure I don't get too fit. Yeah, that's, <laughs> because then where are your goals now? You're you're at perfect fitness. You got to keep yourself down so you have easy room to grow. I think that's why bikers love breweries so much because they don't want to get too fit, right? They don't yeah. want to make all their that friends feel it. bad about themselves. <laughs> well, that's mean. I don't know what it is. Yeah, cycling culture just has like this very tight intersection with, with like hipster coffee and with microbreweries. Huh. I don't know what it is. Like you become a cyclist and all of a sudden you get become very snobby about your beer and your coffee. I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't understand. I'll that. ride Maybe my bike more like... after moving. Maybe I will suddenly become an aficionado of both. Maybe you will. I don't know. But also when you move, you'll be able to rollerblade more. Yes. I'll which be is able more to do inherently fun. Lots of things. I love rollerblading. Yeah, it's, it's great. All right. Do we have any so, more? There's one more. Ah. And it is games that are easy to start. And or they're just boredom killers. Yes. So games like Tetris or Picross, they've got the little challenge. You know, there's the there, there's the challenge of the puzzles. But it's also that I can just say, oh, look, the PS4 is downloading a 15 million year update for the ninth time today. Mm-hmm. Let me just turn on Picross in four seconds and start this puzzle immediately. And I don't even think it's about how fast you get into the game itself. I think it's how fast you get into the core loop of the game. So I remember, you know, Quentin would ask me this all the time. Tom, I do not understand how you can spend 130 hours playing Enter the Gungeon or 60 hours playing Celeste or, you know, whatever stupid mobile game that I hate on your phone, but you won't spend 10 or 20 hours playing this cool RPG I want you to play or you won't spend 30 hours on Dark Souls or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, um, I think the reason for this is because with celeste you boot the game up and you're in the core loop of the gameplay basically immediately like i'm platforming whereas with a lot of big story driven games maybe it only takes 20 hours to play it but when i boot it up each time i don't know maybe i'm in the middle of a dialogue loop that i have to get through you really really got to be into the story for most yeah like jrpg gameplay isn't you Mm -hmm. know where it's at so it makes perfect sense and yeah so my brain tells me like i really want what i want to hit of right now is like flying up in the air and using the rocket launcher in Overwatch. I know I can do that right away. All I got to do is boot the game up, hit quick play. It'll get me to a match in probably 30 seconds, and I'll be doing that. Yeah. Whereas if it's a game like, I don't know, like Final Fantasy or something, I guess number one, I don't really know what the fun part of the core loop is. I think it's a lot of like external systems that motivate you to play it. Maybe you think the battle system is super fun. But in like Final to Fantasy get into a battle in particular, yes. where I, you know, where I say it, I'm in a town, so I gotta like wait through all the Square Enix loading screens and load my game, and then like I'm in the town, so I gotta drive out to a place and find a battle. You're stuck in this story part in this building. You're not yeah. allowed to leave the building yet until you finish this thing. Yeah, you know, you can't just go do whatever you want. You gotta finish the story part first. Mm-hmm. And it's like the same thing in real life. Oh, my guitar's right there. <clears throat> Let me just pick it up and play. 
And this is why I play my crappy guitar all the time. And I hardly ever play my super expensive guitar. Because my super expensive guitar is upstairs. It's actually right over there uh, in a case with a humidifier in it. So I got to open the case, take the humidifier out, then take it out. Yeah. So basically this is like one, it's more or less if you could build the 20 second rule into real life where Mm -hmm. it takes less than 20 seconds to get started on what you want. But also try to maybe long term cut out the pieces in front of it that just aren't fun. 20 second rule, not, not only to the thing you like, but to the part you like about it. Yeah. Yeah. The core loop. Yeah. This is why I have all that gear sitting in the living room right now. So I love to make music, but when I did the Fender sponsorship and I said, I'm going to write a song and like literally make it, it was like, it was very, it was like a lot of friction was involved because I'm like, all right, I got laid on a drum beat. That's the first thing. And then I got to make a new track and like come up with something to put on that. And that's just, it's a lot slower, I, I think. Yeah. Whereas hooking up a drum sampler, a guitar and a piano to a loop pedal, all I got to do is like turn a few things on. That takes about 10 seconds. It's sitting in the living room. So I see it immediately when I walk in. Same concept as the guitar sitting on the, the guitar stand, just a little more complex. And, you know, I can tap out a drum beat that's like four bars, pick the guitar up, throw something down on that. And like, actually, that sounds pretty cool. And like you get into the core loop of making music and you're inspired instead of trying to manufacture one track and then move on to the next one. You keep getting interrupted in what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like if you really liked driving, this is this is not only do you set it up so that it's uh, there's nothing in the way of your car. You don't have to move a bunch of garage stuff that's in the way. It's yeah. easy to get to the car, but also you plan a route that avoids most red lights so that you don't have to keep stopping the driving over mm-hmm. and over and over and over. Yeah, so find a way to get into it as quickly as possible, into the core loop of the thing, and then make it as fun as you can, I guess. Yeah. Or as seamless or as frictionless as you can. Yeah, frictionless seems good to me. Yeah. And, like, obviously this isn't even going to be every lesson about video games because, obviously, sometimes they're just fun. But yep. some, But that's not helpful if you're trying to figure out how to get yourself through something difficult or less motivating. Yeah, and all these elements make it more fun. Yeah, right? you're like, turning it fun. I find it fun to play as Farah and shoot rockets down at stuff, but I don't find it fun to go into the training exercise area and do it to just robots that are stationary. Yeah. It's more fun when you're competing against another team. Yeah. And when you have your own team that's backing you up and you can do all these kinds of combo plays and things like that. Like all these elements come in and make things more fun. Like Celeste is fun, right? But if I love if Celeste, Celeste so was much. just the first world, like every level in the game used the same skin uh, as the first world, the same no, music, the and variety, no story, right? Kept me going. Yeah, I don't story. even play platforming games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the story in that game is fantastic. The music changes. You have these like, oh, this is a new place. Like this is awesome. I get to explore. There's a new track. Yeah, you're exploring. There's the small wins. There's a story. There's mm-hmm. It's got everything because I I don't play Super Meat Boy, which is basically if you stripped most of it down and yeah. made it just a good platformer. Mm-hmm. So I think if you have a goal, approach it like a game designer. Yeah, and specifically to the ones you like. You know, not everybody plays Animal Crossing, but they should because it's yeah. great. But yeah. maybe you don't want to put a bunch of stickers on your bike or something. But what motivates you to play the kind of games you like to play? And how can you build that into your life? Yeah, and if this isn't just with video games, think of any any situation in life where somehow you are properly motivated to do something that taken out of context seems boring. 
Yeah. As soon as you can figure out what gets you through something that other people might find boring, mm-hmm. you can use it to help yourself through more things. I mean, simplest example I can think of, when I was a little kid, I hated cleaning up my room. But sometimes my mom would be like, all right, uh, whichever one of you cleans up your room faster, you know, gets more dessert or something like that or, or just wins. So you just throw all your stuff into your brother's room. Right. <laughs> well, that's a cheat code. That's like he's got twice shark. the mess. <laughs> My room's clean. I'm a minimalist now. I was just doing the KonMari method. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's like we have a shared mess. Like we're all playing with Legos in the living room, and she's like, "All right, whoever cleans up the most Legos wins." You know, just like a little bit of competition makes it so much more fun. Yeah, something's got to get you through the things because not every moment of life is by default really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. There's a lot of really boring moments. Now, how can I gamify my sleep? I don't like sleep. Uh, <laughs> well, that's we're gonna exploration. We're gonna put you in the back of a car while you sleep, and you're gonna wake up who knows where. And every day you're yeah. gonna be like, "Whoa, what's where this? How did Probably I get here?" In a more scared tone of voice. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Th- I didn't actually want to wake up here. This is <laughs> yeah. A good this is a lot less exciting than I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> I'm just well, it's exciting, it's but it's the wrong kind. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what is that? Nine points. Uh, I think so. One, Some, two, three, we got four, our nine five, points. six, seven, eight, nine. That's nine points. Boom. So yeah, game design. Uh, you know, and uh, I think a, a good piece of homework for this would be to go out and play your favorite video game for a while, and maybe see like what elements is this game using out of the ones we listed, or maybe other ones. Yeah. And then how could I apply some of these to that other thing I want to do? That's why I use habit trackers, because I love games like Pokemon or Mario Odyssey where you're collecting all the things. I'm very motivated by visible progress and collections and things. So check boxes become my collection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe for certain people there are uh, motivators that are really powerful for them and then motivators that aren't. So, you know, maybe for a certain person, it's the discovery and the self-expression that really matters more to them than checking off a bunch of boxes and seeing visual progress. Yeah. But I know for a person like my mom, the visual progress would be huge. That's like the main thing. Get her on Habitica. Probably should. (laughs) I should be in a party with my mom. She'll be the most powerful of us all. We we need to fight this dragon. (laughs) Go to the gym. (laughs) All right. Uh, What is this? Episode 265? I didn't write write it down. I did. It's in Notion. Okay, good. We got that useful Notion set up. Good work, son, dad. Which uh, we'll have a Notion video coming pretty soon. People have been asking for it. I just I want to make it good. Yeah. And they came up with that template sharing option fairly recently. So I'm going to make some templates and share them with people. Anywho, CIGpodcast.com is where you can go to make sure you're subscribed to this show. If you haven't done so already, if you're watching on YouTube every week or you're just listening to it in the web browser, I guess if you're doing that, you probably know where the podcast website is. But... You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, any podcast app that you want. You can probably find our show on there and subscribe to it so you get new episodes delivered to the device of your choice every single Monday when they come out. And you can also go to CIGpodcast.com slash 265 to find the show notes for this episode. Probably link to some video games, things like that. Definitely link to Habitica. Yes. That's a cool thing to, to try out. And if we have that habit tracking Uh, video up by then we'll also be looking to that as well so thank you so much for hanging out with us if you want to find our favorite resources our favorite apps gear and other tools that can help you improve your life as a student then go over to collegeinfogeek.com slash resources 
You'll also find our list of essential books over there for students and our college packing guide. And uh, if you want to support this show, you can either share it with a friend. You can maybe like go to a mountaintop and shout out the URL to subscribe. Put a QR code up there. QR code. Don't do on. that. That's vandalism. Can you put a QR code on the Hollywood sign. Don't do that. That's extra vandalism. And it's going to be linked to us. So <laughs> don't. <laughs> Honestly, though, like what criminal would incriminate themselves at the same time? Well, yeah, I think we'll have a good defense, but it'll be annoying. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, if I'm going to put up a QR code to a podcast, I'm going to make it to his to I did it. Dot com. <laughs> Wow, this competitor did it. And, and clearly they did it. Yeah. It wasn't someone trying to sabotage them at all. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I think that's about it. Oh, you can also give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. That's another great way to support the show. Got to mention that. And now that I've mentioned that, I think that's about it. So thanks for hanging out with us. Hopefully you find something useful in this episode. And uh, we will see you in the next one. Stay cute. A lot of stuff rhymes with it. Like, I'm so, feeling cruddy. No, like, this isn't funny, Mr. McGillicuddy. Ah! I'm allergic to silly putty. Don't put it in my tummy. Wait, this is yummy. <laughs> That's a weird rap.